New Zealanders are increasingly monitored through closed-circuit television, whether it be on the main streets, at work, at school, in a taxi or in bars and restaurants. But this Radio New Zealand Insight asks how carefully is that footage being used and what restrictions are in place. It's Friday night in Queenstown. New Zealand's premier international resort, which plays host to nearly two million tourists every year. In Queenstown, every night is a party night, but Fridays in particular are busy. And the buskers are out here in the mall, the bars, the clubs, the restaurants are all filling up. And soon, all of it will be captured on CCTV video. I'm Steve Wilde, and in this insight, I'll be looking at the growing use of CCTV in New Zealand and asking who really benefits from all this surveillance. Do you realise you're being filmed at the moment? No, I didn't know that. If you look behind you there, <laughs> can you goodness. see it? I can see it. I can see it now you pointed it out. What do you think's happening with that footage? Some creepy old guy's watching it in a room. How does it make you feel? Uh, not the best. Why? <laughs> I don't know if I want my remover watched. So you choose to ignore it? Yes. Yep. I quite like it. I almost want to do a little performance. Really? <laughs> yeah, I might. Seriously, though, do you ever think of it? Not at all. It doesn't ever pop into my mind. Why? Because I'm never doing anything dodgy or I never think that anything like that's going to happen. So I live in a little safe bubble. Queenstown's bars and restaurants have been recording their patrons for years. Some find the presence reassuring and an added safety measure. But for others, there are pervasive fears over just who is watching and why. The resort's own network of CCTV street cameras has lain dormant for almost a decade. The cost of maintaining the cameras was met by neither the local authority nor the police, and one by one, each of them broke down. In that time, Senior Sergeant John Fuchs says police in the resort have experienced a growing level of drunken disorder. Queenstown's a, a, almost a schizophrenic little town you can look at there at this time of the day and there are people wandering around you know, happily doing the holiday maker thing but once you get to about 10 o'clock at night the, the primary focus is uh, young people enjoying themselves and using alcohol as a lubricant. What's the repercussions of that? Well the repercussions, the obvious ones are that the, uh, the more you hit the grog the lower your inhibitions and particularly for young people and, and you know, young males more so um, you're more likely to come to our attention either as an offender or a victim. And statistically, at least, um, close to 190-something percent of people who we deal with who have been offending between 10 o'clock at night and 6 o'clock in the morning are adversely affected by alcohol. And interestingly, mid-80% range, uh, same sort of thing, 85%, something like that, of victims of offending between those hours are adversely affected by alcohol. And of course no uh, shortage of places to drink down there? No, not in Queenstown. No, I think it still holds true that it's got the highest number of uh, licensed premises per head of population of anywhere in the country. The Queenstown District Court has been dealing with an increasing number of people charged with offences relating to drunken disorder, from fouling shop doorways to more serious violent crime. That disorder and the possible impact on the town's image has worried members of the local Chamber of Commerce who've led a two-year campaign lobbying the Queenstown Lakes District Council to reinstall working CCTV cameras on the streets. The local authority will sign a contract within weeks for a security firm to do that work. Mind the gap, please. 
Throughout the world, camera surveillance is becoming an all-pervasive backdrop to everyday life, and nowhere more so than in the United Kingdom. Estimates put that country's number of active cameras at somewhere between three and four million. And Dr William Webster has been watching the results of that monitoring for 15 years. As senior lecturer in public management at Stirling University, Dr Webster has studied the effects of public surveillance and discusses this on a slightly compromised link from Scotland. CCTV is normalising society to surveillance, especially where surveillance involves new technologies. So we've become used to seeing CCTV cameras. We have a gut instinct um, what they're there to do. We have a gut instinct about what they may be doing and who may be watching. And we've become accepting as a society of, of that situation. If you look at the British attitude towards privacy in general and technology, then you can see maybe some of the roots of what we see being located in our attitudes towards CCTV. So, for example, we have very lax um, attitudes towards our privacy settings on Google, for example. We have quite lax attitudes to how we approach our um, the provision of personal information on Facebook and, and other things like that. Now, but if you look at other countries, there may be slightly different attitudes. So, for example, if you look at Eastern Europe, where there is a history of authoritarian regimes, Eastern and Southern Europe, they have different attitudes towards surveillance cameras because they have a recent history of state surveillance. Um, they have a, a recent history of where surveillance is linked to control of populations, and they are much more... Um, suspicious, maybe resistance of what CCTV for cameras, for example, represents. In New Zealand, the public attitude to CCTV is overwhelmingly relaxed. Many say they feel safer knowing the cameras are there. Tracy Lauder credits CCTV for capturing a thief who stole her credit card. So I used to live in Tauranga and my flatmate stole my FPOS card and the bank didn't have any cameras at the ATM. Um, so they use, the police used the CTV footage to find who it was that took all my money. So that was CCTV cameras in the street? Yeah, so it worked for me. Tauranga is one of New Zealand's most observed cities. I think there's 12 on each one, so there's 36 cameras there, and I think there's another 27 transportation cameras around, around the city as well. John Payne is the Manager of Environmental Compliance at Tauranga City Council. He says the cameras have been in for 10 years and are worth every cent of the hundreds of thousands of dollars spent installing and monitoring them. It can be anywhere up to about 1,200 arrests in a year, so it's actually really, really beneficial. The only time the police will arrest is if a crime actually has been committed, um, and so, so early intervention stuff is, is way on top of, of the 1,200. That's just 1,200 where they've actually been captured uh, doing something they shouldn't be doing. You're already under arrest for breach of a liquor ban, and so are you. Okay. So, yeah, okay, yeah, under arrest. So at this stage, you have the right to refrain from making a statement, you have the right to consult and instruct a lawyer without delaying the private. Do you understand your rights? This was the scene six years ago in Nelson's Buxton Square as police arrest underage drunken teenagers. Jump up on the seat there, fella. Jump on yeah. Watch your head. Watch your head. It's me. I don't want to get in trouble. Well, you're already in trouble. No, I don't. Because you've been underage drinking. The square had been a popular hangout for boy racers and the area was known for fights and drunken behaviour. 
However, Sergeant Mal Drummond says the installation of five CCTV cameras in the inner city, including Buxton Square, has had a drastic impact on drunken and disorderly behaviour. When I've been working, I've heard the Watch House staff who are monitoring the cameras say there's a build-up in, in Buxton Car Park and in this particular area of the car park. Anyone free to have a drive through? So we just go through there and literally just nip it in the bud before it becomes a problem. I would say that we would be attending disorder-type offences there half as much as what we would have previously. Back in Queenstown, and business owners are bullish about what CCTV will deliver to their town. Kim Wilkinson has owned a pharmacy on the corner of the town's mall for decades. He says CCTV will make people safer. I think having CCTV in the streets of Queenstown um, is just such a positive uh, message, it's sending a positive message to our visitors to this town, our overseas visitors and our local visitors, that there are um, cameras in place that can keep an eye on what's going around town and it's there for their protection. Do you think it makes them feel safer? Yes, I do think it makes them feel safer. I think um, when cameras are out there in the public domain and if there's any criminal activity that's, uh, that's gone on, uh, they have the knowledge that uh, the cameras are there to um, uh, pull those people back into line and it can be used for prosecution against them. But do CCTV cameras actually make you safer? William Webster says the evidence doesn't support that. What public authorities shouldn't do is they shouldn't just present CCTV in terms of a crime reduction tool because that's a very narrow way of interpreting CCTV. And actually, if we take that narrow crime control, we're just going to look at it will reduce crime, um, it will deter crime. And then we look at the crime stats later on down the line, we will see that CCTV hasn't made any difference and it will be perceived as a failure. And, uh, you know, then people start to talk about CCTV as a waste of money because it is labour intensive if it's a proper system. Um, and you know, then, then you know, the debate gets, gets, gets hijacked by a different set of ideas about finance. The Queenstown Lakes District Council's General Manager Community Services, Paul Wilson, says the public must have realistic expectations of what CCTV can deliver. He says in Queenstown's case, the cameras are part of an overall package. No, I don't think that uh, CCTV will uh, necessarily stop crime because, uh, as I said, a lot of the uh, crime in Queenstown is alcohol related and you know there are many high-profile high cases where people have uh, perhaps you know uh, you know attacked somebody at an ATM for example now everybody knows they've got CCTV cameras but when you're under the weather uh, that goes out the door and, and so I don't think it's going to have a, a huge effect on stopping crime I think that's where our community guides and the police uh, presence and also you know working with the uh, bar industry that's where that will uh, have the most effect this is more the eventual coming coming back and be able to identify problem areas uh, and putting in other responses that will then uh, reduce crime so what happens when cctv is abused during the rugby world cup a queenstown bouncer allegedly leaked security footage of the england rugby captain partying with a woman in one of the resort's bars the bouncer was sacked from his job at the bar and has now been charged with stealing the footage from the bar's computer system. So how can people be sure the recorded CCTV footage of themselves socialising, eating, drinking or taking a taxi is protected? It's an issue the Privacy Commissioner Marie Schroff takes very seriously because she says technology has made it so much easier to access material and then broadcast it further. What's happening with CCTV now is that it is all prevalent in New Zealand um, and uh, so 
the the development that's happening now is that there's convergence. So CCTV is very widespread and now there's the ability to upload that footage to the internet and unfortunately some people do think that it's funny to upload footage to the internet and of course that can cause quite significant harm to the people who might be um, disclosed in various activities uh, on the internet for the for the whole world to, to access. It's the convergence issue now that, that is the real issue. If you can upload it onto the internet, you can view it on a mobile phone, uh, you can um, you know, ha be broadcasting it effectively um, very widely. We issued our code in 2009, which dealt with kind of the, the growing phenomenon of CCTV. Now we have to consider whether we move to the next step and have a look at these wider convergence issues um, and disclosure issues. Mrs Shroff says the Privacy Commission may need more power to ensure that CCTV footage which is released onto the internet can be removed. The law surrounding the use of CCTV footage is reasonably complex and in that Queenstown case the person ended up being charged with theft. That's probably a reasonably satisfactory way to deal with that particular issue. However, there are other ways that you can seek redress, such as making a complaint under the Privacy Act and then pursuing it all the way through to the tribunal and potentially um, for damages. The question of whether we should have more powers is an interesting one. The Law Commission has recommended in a general sense that the Privacy Commissioner should have powers, including a compliance notice power. Now in that particular case you could see that we could have used our compliance notice power if we had one to require that footage to be taken down immediately off the internet. So I think that in the climate of expanding technology and convergence, yes I think a compliance power would be a useful way to get offensive material taken down off the internet. Marie Schroff recommends businesses follow the guidelines set down by the Privacy Commission, which come complete with a tick list to make sure organisations are on track. Mike Burgess owns many bars and clubs in Queenstown. He says his staff have an understanding about why the cameras are there and only the manager can access the footage. But he doesn't have a written policy and he's now thinking about establishing one. The incident that's easy to go back to is, is to the Tyndall affair. I mean... They'd presumably had cameras in there for the same reasons I have for security, but someone got in there and found an opportunity to, uh, to use that information for their own advantage. And um, I mean, I wouldn't have thought there'd be too much cost associated with putting a, a, a policy in, much like we all have health and safety policies or liquor licensing uh, policies. You'll have to have a CCTV policy, which would be fairly simple. Um, you know, that the, the footage maintained or uh, gathered within the business can only be used for um, security purposes. The Privacy Commissioner recommends having a definite plan about what the cameras are for, how the material will be stored and who will have access to it. She says the footage needs to be controlled and the data protected properly. It should be deleted when it's no longer needed. She also advises having a sign at the door saying CCTV is in operation, briefly what it's for and contact details if anyone wants to ask any questions. Kim Wilkinson, who pushed for cameras in the resort streets, doesn't follow the Privacy Commissioner recommendations to the letter, but he's now reviewing that. 
Yes, I think uh, with what's happened recently with the uh, Tyndallgate affair, I, I think uh, having written policies within uh, retail outlets and bars and restaurants is important, and I think it's important that staff understand what those uh, cameras and, and what the material on those cameras can be used for. Queenstown lawyer Julia Shellcrass says it's imperative business owners have a written policy if they operate CCTV cameras. Because that way you can make sure that they have read and understood it. And, um, and it should be written in plain English so that they all can understand it too. Keep in mind too, uh, with any technology type policies, that you may need to update them from time to time. So do pop something into your policy stating that there's a chance it will be varied. And if you are um, a business that like your employees to sign it off, then you might want to get them to sign off any changes as well. Because like social media, your technology in your workplace may change from time to time. How are you doing? Good, good. And where would you like to go? Uh, just the Radio New Zealand studios, thanks. Perhaps one of the most regulated CCTV systems in the country is used in taxis. The cameras were installed last year following the deaths of two drivers at the hands of their passengers. So how, how long have you been a, a cab driver? Oh, I've been um, operating for a few years now, yep. And you've got these uh, cameras in here, how are they going? Uh, very well. Um, don't hear too much. They just sort of they're just there and um, and they work as a, a deterrent for all parties concerned. The executive director of the New Zealand Taxi Federation, Tim Reddish, says the cameras have been a success and it's largely because of the robust protocols around how they operate. The data is encrypted uh, and then it can only be accessed by authorised people. So there are authorised. Uh, one authorised person within each major taxi company or, or one or two that can use it, but it's only used in related to incidents where um, there's either been an attack against the driver or a fear evasion or um, you know, somewhere where they've, they've felt their personal safety is threatened. And the only other people that can access it are the New Zealand Transport Agency and the New Zealand Police. So, for instance, a taxi driver can't recover images of themselves and post them on YouTube, so there's quite um, strict uh, protection for privacy for passengers as well, which is very important because you've got to realise that there's a lot that goes on in taxis, a lot of private discussions, there's a lot of um, incidents, arguments, whatever among passengers. So, um, so really, I think all those sort of things have um, have been covered quite clearly. You know, the, uh, privacy commissioner was involved uh, in the drawing up of the protocols um, and, and everybody's been sort of bent over backwards to make sure we have a robust system that delivers the information that's needed, protects taxi drivers but also protects the public. New Zealanders may have accepted being filmed in taxis but cameras are also in place inside workplaces and schools. Wainui Amata High School is just one of a number around the country in recent years that's extended its use of surveillance cameras into the toilets. My colleague Philippa Tolley went to view the cameras with the school's principal Martin Isberg. Now what we did was we announced it to the students, we told them about it. Uh, it was initially um, the idea of some of the senior students. They said hey there's cameras in the corridors, can we have them in the toilets? And they explained the reason why. So we just announced it at a couple of assemblies and the kids clapped. They thought it was a great idea.
So Nobody was concerned about privacy, I suppose. The thing would be, is something that they shouldn't see going to be seen? It's in the loose. The kids go into cubicles, so we don't have the cameras in the cubicles, and they're just um, directed at the, at the basins. As I said, um, just, I, know, I know schools, and I know of two schools now that have remodelled themselves. They don't have cameras in the toilets because what they've done is the, the wall between the toilets and the corridors is glass. And so they've got tiny cubicles that only one kid can fit in. When you come out of the cubicles and you're in front of the wash basin and the mirrors, everybody can see you because there is a glass wall between the corridor and the toilet. And, and I mean, we, we haven't got that, but we've just got cameras focused on the, the wash basins, certainly not the cubicles. All we're doing is, is focusing on what the kids are doing around the hand basin, the wash basin. Um, and, and I mean, the, the kids know about it, they appreciate it. We've got three sets of toilets, we had one set cameraed. Um, I think we've got two sets cameraed now, but I have said all along that we will have one set that's not cameraed, so that if kids want to go to the toilet and there aren't cameras there, they know which set they can go to. But even CCTV in the streets is one step too far for some civic leaders. The Petoni community has had the cameras up for just over a year, but the community board's deputy chairman, Mason Branch, is still not happy about it. I think they're there with the best of intentions, but yeah, I, f I feel it's, it's window dressing, probably there to make us feel safe. I don't think they're actually making us safe. I mean, I don't see why we need to be observed all the time Anyway, 99.9% .9 of people who are going to be observed on these cameras are just going about their daily business. They're no threat to, to anyone or themselves. We have areas in the hut where there's more serious crime than tagging and etching, and yet we don't have cameras there. Given the city has limited resources, was this the best place to, to spend that money on security cameras when we have daylight attacks of a sexual nature on the Hutt Riverbank and there's no cameras and no lighting. Mason Branch says the case for CCTV has not been proven. I don't like being observed 24-7. I don't think it makes you safe. London has cameras every five metres. It's not a safe town. I don't think this has made us safe. I don't like the fact that there are volunteers observing citizens in the streets. I don't care they've been police checked. I do worry that these cameras will end up in the hands of a private firm as some sort of economic efficiency, and what will happen to the images then? It's very easy to match up an image to, to a GPS signal of someone's phone. It's just constant tracking and observation of the population. It's slightly Orwellian, and I really don't like it. In Queenstown, Senior Constable Sean Drader is out on the street working out where the new CCTV camera should go. He says the cameras won't be a cure-all for the bad behaviour on the resort streets. I mean, cameras have been shown to be really effective in car parks to stop thefts from cars. And we do have a little bit of a problem with that. Um, disorder and violence, it's difficult to say because they haven't been shown to be ineffective but they haven't proven to be effective. The reason being that you're likely to see more things on the camera and go out there and arrest people for where you wouldn't have had that footage before or you wouldn't have had somebody at the police station watching it live to direct you to do it. So it will raise the things like um, breach of a liquor ban. You'll see more people drinking and you'll go down there and you'll get them. But other things like violence, it's hard to say whether that's deterred it or not. I know from looking at them in the past when we used to have them working, I'd see people and they were bristling up for a fight and their buddy would grab them by the shoulders, by the scruff of the neck, point at the camera and say, 
cut it out, you're being filmed. And they would, they'd, they'd stop doing that. So hopefully it, it will be effective for that kind of thing. William Webster says the number one thing communities should do is debate the use of CCTV. But what makes them really interesting and what makes them different from other sorts of technologies is that embedded in them is a degree of power and they, they, they represent some sort of power over individuals and they can be used in different ways by different regimes for different purposes if they so wanted to. Um, and this is, this is why we should always have a public debate about surveillance and surveillance cameras. This is why we should always be very careful about how we're rolling forward the surveillance society. And Marie Schroff says there is good and bad in the use of CCTV. Like all human inventions, CCTV has its good side and its bad side. The good side, of course, people immediately see in the high-profile cases where CCTV is effective in providing evidence to detect an offence. I guess the, the, just broadly the bad side might be that um, for the sake of, of uh, a very small number of cases where detection is aided, we seem to be going down the track of getting into what is called a surveillance society where almost every step of your day outside your own home is, is potentially recorded and stored and accessible. So I think that we do have to weigh up uh, whether we want to become a complete surveillance society or whether we should be going down the track of saying, OK, CCTV is a great tool for um, law enforcement in some circumstances, but let's not go overboard and find ourselves being observed and recorded uh, every moment of the day. The Queenstown Lakes District Council expects to install between 10 and 14 CCTV cameras, initially at a cost of several hundred thousand dollars. The cameras will be operative before this year's busy winter season. I'm Steve Wilde and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or tweet us at rnz underscore insight. This programme was written and presented by me, Steve Wilde, and produced by Philippa Tolley with technical production by William Saunders.